nothing honourable about scandal-ridden Stuart Roberts' tipped retirement. LNP politician Stuart Robert announced his intention to retire for family reasons shortly after an audit uncovered possible corrupt activities during his time in the Morrison government, writes Belinda Jones. As the sun sets on Stuart Roberts' political career, the people of Fadden in Queensland prepare to head to a by-election. Meanwhile, the controversial LNP politician faces more questions arising from recent inquiries into his activities during his time in federal government. In what reads like a movie script, details from last month's Joint Committee of Public Accounts and Audit, or JCPAA, reveal a sordid tale of emails to a strange six-digit non-government Gmail account owned by Stuart Robert, stolen data, a police report, a blockbuster story knocked back by The Australian, eventually published by Nine, and confirmation Stuart Robert had a financial interest in a company he awarded a $3.5 million contract when he was a coalition government minister. Shortly after all this was revealed, Stuart Robert announced his intention to retire, for family reasons. Robert began his scandal-ridden political career in 2007 and spent the first six years in opposition. His first of many transgressions proved to be in 2012 when he delivered a speech to Parliament, partly written by a lobbyist, which imperiled the court case of an Australian man wrongly detained for five years in Dubai. However, this would prove to be quite tame by Robert's evolving prowess for scandal. He ascended to the front bench in 2015 under Malcolm Turnbull. Around this time, Robert introduced what would become known as RoboDebt. Amid scandals over Rolex watches and a trip to China, Robert soon found himself back on the backbench again a mere five months later. A scandal-ridden Robert languished on the backbench until August 2018, but he wasn't entirely idling away the years. He did bankroll two former staffers who stood as independents and secretly used his father as a director of one of his companies without his knowledge. Robert was creative and often tardy with his interests register. He reportedly lost hundreds of thousands of dollars in poor investment decisions in mining and cryogenic companies. When, as Scott Morrison's numbers man, he garnered the numbers to topple Turnbull in a move none in the Liberal Party room expected, newly sworn-in Prime Minister Morrison restored Robert to the ministry. Robert rewarded Morrison's trust in him by racking up a $38,000 internet bill and trying to get taxpayers to pay for it. Now you'd think after all that, Robert would have got his act together, but no, the scandals continued, the mistakes, the hubris, arrogance, the doubling down. There was the failed COVID app, a blind trust, the fake cyber attack claim, and the most devastating of all his scandals, RoboDebt, and his admission at the RoboDebt Royal Commission that he misled the Australian public because he was a dutiful cabinet minister. He showed little to no remorse for the victims, yet claimed he took responsibility for the heinous and illegal scheme that cost taxpayers almost $2 billion in compensation. Underpinning the values Robert claimed to espouse during his political career was his devout Pentecostal faith and his dedication to the teachings of the church, particularly the Seven Mountains Doctrine and the Prosperity Gospel. In reality, they were just euphemisms for unhealthy obsessions with power and money that would ultimately spell the end of his disastrous political career. It speaks volumes about the ethos of religious order that two of the highest-profile Pentecostals in Australia, Scott Morrison and Stuart Robert, failed so comprehensively in their moral duty to the Australian people. 
The Queensland LNP must also bear responsibility for Robert's embarrassing and inherently damaging career. Members knew his character, but ignored scandal after scandal because he was reportedly a good fundraiser, even dubbed one of the million dollar men. Let that sink in. I mean, really sink in. A major party, the Queensland LNP, allowed Stuart Robert to sit in Parliament and in Cabinet, feathering his own nest, feathering the nests of his mates, and making catastrophic decisions because it believed he was good at raising money. If these are the LNP's core ethics, then it doesn't deserve to be in any form of representative government in a functioning democracy. And it is, for this reason, the Queensland LNP can never be trusted with any Queensland seat ever again, particularly Fadden. The LNP has proven it will overlook incompetence and alleged corruption for money, betraying Queenslanders who trust the party with their votes, as it did in Stuart Roberts' case time after time. The people of Fadden also put their trust in Stuart Robert. He has never apologised to Fadden constituents for that betrayal. Neither has the Queensland LNP. In his final audacious act, Robert bows out of public life on the pretext of family reasons, which is probably about as honest as anything he has ever said in public life. He still doesn't have the intestinal fortitude to be honest with the public and to genuinely apologise for the wrong he's done. He'd rather gracelessly double down and deny, 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 all the way to the National Anti-Corruption Commission. Stuart Robert will leave politics with a legacy of disgrace and incompetence, which makes him completely undeserving of the title Honourable. Dutton's visa mess too big for budget to fix. While the recent budget made a start, the visa integrity disaster left by the previous coalition government will take years for Labor to fix. Dr. Abel Risby reports. Last Sunday's 60 Minutes show and this article in The Age revealed that the report by former Victorian Police Commissioner Christine Nixon on the integrity of Australia's visa system is absolutely scathing of the current system and administration. I wrote on the challenges faced by the Nixon review previously. While the government may not release that report to the public, possibly to protect the public servants under whose watch this debacle took place over the last decade, we know that it is worried enough about the situation to inject additional resources into immigration compliance in the 2023 budget. I wrote about this possibility a few weeks ago. How did the visa integrity problem escalate? Visa integrity challenges have always existed and exist in the visa system of every nation. But from 2014 to 2015, Australia experienced the biggest labour trafficking scam abusing the asylum system in our history, initially using visitor visas for Malaysian and Chinese nationals to supply labour to farms, construction sites and sex shops. The scam started a year or so after the immigration function was merged with the former customs agency under Secretary Mike Pizzullo to form the Department of Immigration and Border Protection. At the time, he made it clear he had very little respect for the immigration function as it was traditionally conceived. Too many care bears, nation builders, immigration policy nerds and old hands who had just about seen all there is to see in visa rorts. That led to the exodus of a very large number of senior immigration officials who may have had the experience to warn Pizzullo of the scam and how to deal with it. Without that support, Pizzullo floundered with the scam and spent considerable effort dismissing it as an issue. 
That may have been why former Home Affairs Minister Peter Dutton also avoided talking about it. Dutton was far too obsessed with boat arrivals who weren't actually coming, and once he may have actually recognised the scam that was taking place, it was too late to admit he had been negligent in allowing it to happen. Apart from the high refusal rate for asylum applications from Malaysia and China, usually in excess of 98%, another indicator of the scam was the major drop in registered migrant agents, or RMAs, putting their names to asylum applications. Only RMAs and immigration lawyers who are supporting a genuine asylum claim are likely to put their name on the application. The others would hide their involvement. Over time, the scam was also enabled by a steady drop in immigration compliance action as that meant both unscrupulous organisers, dodgy agents, labour hire companies, as well as employers looking for cheap labour knew it was highly unlikely they would be caught. The decline in immigration compliance activity is also reflected in the decline in the number of overstayers held in immigration detention prior to removal. If Dutton and Pizzullo had been serious about dealing with the scam, overstayers in detention would have been rising, not falling. While the average length of stay in detention has increased significantly and the number of unsuccessful asylum seekers in the community has exploded, very few unsuccessful asylum seekers and other overstayers are being located, detained and removed. This too would encourage people organising labour trafficking scams. Dutton and Pizzullo's rhetoric on border protection was just that, rhetoric. The overwhelming evidence is that they had no idea how to actually do border protection effectively. Part of the problem was funds for immigration compliance and visa processing being redirected to Pizzullo's various misadventures such as the now abandoned idea of privatising the visa IT system. The recent budget announces that the government will return funding of $163.2 million over two years from 2022 to 23 to the Department of Home Affairs to continue its visa processing capabilities, recognising the cancellation of the global digital platform associated with the 2016-17 budget savings measure titled Reforming the Visa and Migration Framework by the former government. This might sound technical, but it's really just saying DHA promised to achieve massive savings by privatising the visa IT system that was never delivered. DHA asking for the assumed savings to be reversed would have been hugely embarrassing for Pizzullo after $90 million was wasted on this misadventure. Dutton and Pizzullo have left the Albanese government with a complete policy and administrative mess, including over 100,000 asylum seekers in Australia, the vast bulk of whom are being refused. That will take many years and cost a fortune to fix. So what is in the Albanese budget for immigration compliance? The belated entry of the coalition and the Murdoch press into this debate, albeit with no recognition of the coalition's role in creating the problem and, of course, without a hint of how they would address the issue, has put pressure on the Albanese government to act more quickly. In the recent budget, the Albanese government announced $50 million over four years from 2023 to 24, and $15.3 million per year ongoing for additional enforcement and compliance activities to maintain the integrity of the migration system. Funding from 2025 to 26 will be held in the contingency reserve, pending an evaluation of the effectiveness of the activities. This is desperately needed as immigration compliance activities have been steadily degraded since Peter Dutton was Home Affairs Minister. But much of these funds will be needed to enforce changes in visa laws from the 1st of July 2023, including the reintroduction of restrictions to working holiday maker work rights, 
the higher minimum salary for temporary skilled workers and student visa work rights restrictions. Over the past five to six years, activities to enforce student visa rules and cancel onshore student visas have fallen away sharply. $17.9 million has been allocated to maintain or expand the airport liaison officer function, which is critical to disrupting illegitimate travel to Australia. A key aim of this will be to reduce labour trafficking abusing the asylum system, particularly as international travel ramps up further over the next 12 months. Additional funding has also been allocated to implement a stronger fit and proper person test for registered migration agents. This is good, but unless the Office of Migration Agent Registration Authority, or OMARA, is given real backbone to deal with unscrupulous agents, little may change. The OMARA appears to have become a captive of the industry rather than a true independent regulator. A further $4 million in 2023 to 24 has been provided to continue the Immigration Assessment Authority pending the establishment of a new Administrative Appeals Tribunal, or AAT. This will be crucial to limiting growth of the massive asylum seeker backlog at the AAT, but is unlikely to make much of a dent in it. The commissioning of the Parkinson and Nixon reviews has been a good start to dealing with the mess the Albanese government has inherited as the additional funding allocated in the recent budget. But frankly, the size of the problem left by Dutton and Pizzullo is so big that much more will need to be done over the coming years to bring things back to an even keel.